the internet, and welcome to Season 171, Episode 1 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. I have never done that before uh, with someone in the room with me. Uh, my four-year-old is in the room and uh, just covered his ears. He's not uh, not thrilled with my decision to scream that early part. Uh <laughs> It is Monday, February 8th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. I feel old with the TikTok taking over. I feel old. (laughs) The D'Amelios, Jojo Siwa. I feel old. (laughs) Wanna live the 90s over. I feel old. Joel, help me. Should I bust it? My back out. Okay. That is courtesy of Chrissy Yamaguchi, man. And I am thrilled to be joined by today's special guest, co-host Joelle Monique. Jack, it's so good to be back. That was it's the best song I've heard you before. That was oh, amazing. Thank you. Kudos to the lyricist. Excellent. Yes, yes. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> and we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the brilliant, the talented, Tess Lynch. Hello. I'm Hi. back. <laughs> you're back, thank, baby. Thank you for having me. Also, your son is so cute. Hi. Uh, Ramsey, <laughs> you want to say hi to Tess and Joel? Hi, Tess and Joel. Oh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hi, every time. Oh, uh, so cute. Tess, how have you been? What, what have you been up to? Oh, my God. Nothing. I've been up to nothing, um, just like everybody else. I My main like story arc over the past uh, <laughs> 10 months or whatever, we um, I had a podcast with my friends Molly and Emily. And since we ended that podcast, boo. I have just been doing nothing. I know. Boo. Um, boo that you ended it, not to the <laughs> Yes, podcast, boo that we obviously. ended it. The podcast was yay. Uh, yes. But I've been mostly sitting in my backyard with my kids while my neighbors um, have been playing the Billy Joel album, The Stranger. And it's, <laughs> yes. it's taken up my entire brain for that the past been, <laughs> however long. That's been happening for a while, hasn't it? Yeah. It started in March. And oh, it's no. at least once a week. And they play The Stranger in its entirety, usually on Friday nights. But they'll mix it up now. I mean, over the past three weeks, they've played it maybe three times a week and sometimes at random times of day. Dan, and it's never, you're never in the mood. The whole album though, Jack, the whole album. It's leaving a really distinct that album. Scenes from an Italian restaurant is the best song on that album. By yeah. Far. That's a classic. Yeah. Okay, all right. so I'm good. never not in the mood for that one, but I mean, then there, you know, there's a lot at the, the end, the final song, which I like forget the title. It's also, it's, it's not super loud, so it's just enough that it like makes mm. you feel a certain way, but sometimes you can't even like identify it. Sometimes they'll play it super quietly and you're just like, why do I feel like there's like a <laughs> weird New York City jazz kind of vibe in the air? And they're like, oh, it's the stranger. Yeah. Those are oh, classics. Oh, I see. I yeah. see. Bottle okay, of red. Yeah, moving out. Yeah, that they play oh, the moving out. parenthetical yeah. Anthony song. But you know yes. what? It doesn't hold up as well after like 30 plays. Moving Out right. I, Moving Out was one of my top 10 <laughs> Billy Joel songs. And no. now, too, I'm like digging into the you know later catalog just to balance it out. So I'm doing like I go to extremes, keeping the faith. Yep. Yeah. 
Do you ever find yourself just accidentally going into like a hundred percent? Yeah. Like, hey, could you turn that back? Sorry, it's Anthony's song. Sorry, guys. I'm Anthony now. Joel, what were you going to say? Uh, just that I'm, I'm really sorry they're ruining, like, some of my favorite Billy Joel songs are on this album. Like, Vienna is great, like, jams, and I feel like it's unfair that they are ruining it for you, but I'm glad that you have found a way to bring a balance to your <laughs> Billy Joel discography. Also, do you think after a year they're going to get tired of it? Is there any, like, slowing down of the progression of their listening? No, it's picking up. It's picking oh up God. and they'll add other things like it's bookended. It's often like they bookend it. Um, Elton John might be a lead in ELO might follow, but there's variation there. You know, right. it's the stranger remains the same. Um, but I do have to say, I like Vienna also. And it's, you know, it, I mostly associate it with 13 going on 30. Yes. Where fair. it's employed to great effect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. It, it inspired an episode of Taxi. I did not know this. Yeah. And it's in the Wikipedia. And I was like, oh, and now I should like go back and watch that episode <laughs> oh, of Taxi. But then I was like, no, I've had enough. I don't need to do this to myself. <laughs> you got to complete your six degrees of Billy Joel separation. Yeah. Go diving like, deeper and deeper into a hole. <laughs> totally take over someone's life with by just playing a Billy Joel album over it's, and it, over it again. It is a method like, of control. Yeah, absolutely. Psychologically seeding them. at war with your neighbors, uh, yeah. DZ gang. Uh, helpful hints here for you. Yeah. Just start playing that album. Yeah. It's torture. It is. But have you ever thought about how, like, sometimes you'll look in the mirror and the person looking back is a stranger to you? The stranger is yourself. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, we're all, like, we all, and this is going to blow your mind, but it's all, it's almost like we all wear masks sometimes. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> oh, man. But that does seem uh, pathological at this point. I don't think they're going to be like, yeah, okay, we've had enough. It seems like it's. Uh, no, now it's a whole, now it's a lifestyle. It went yes. from like a fun mm. thing to like now it's a joke and now it's like we've, we're jumping the shark and now it's just an earnest commitment. Yeah. And yeah. there's no turning back. <laughs> uh, all right, Tess, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. Uh, we're going to talk about the NBA All-Star Game, uh, whether they should be having that or not, uh, I'd say, or not. Uh, <laughs> we will talk about uh, just overdose deaths in general because they are on the up as people have mentioned uh we'll talk about the money behind the anti-mask protests uh that are proliferating we'll talk about the very specific definition of cancel culture uh that uh marjorie taylor green has uh it, it only applies to very certain things it does not apply to her wanting to fire all nfl players for wanting to protest We'll talk about maybe a Canadian politician. Uh, we'll talk about Cardi B's new video. We'll talk about how advisable it is to use Gorilla Glue in your hair. Um, all of that, plenty more. But first, Tess, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are? Okay, so um, recently I had to search my maternal grandparents' full names because I had a psychic reading and uh, the my grandparents both really wanted to chat and they both uh referred to themselves by their middle or by their first and middle names which I then realized I have no idea I had no idea what their middle names were so I did a a google to like verify what the psychic had told me this was also my first like professional 
psychic reading. I I've ducked into like the psychic eye before. Um, but for my birthday this year, cause I hate stuff, uh, at this point after being around my stuff for so long, I was like, well, I want to have an experience. So I, I did a zoom with a psychic. Very cool. And did and then I had to Google. Was there a reading on point? Like once you, once you had yeah, I mean, the- it was. I was also, my husband was lying on the floor while I did this because um, he you had just lost, knocked him out. <laughs> because right. I'd punched him in the eye. No, <laughs> uh, he he's like lost a bunch of family members over the past like 10 years or so. Um, oh and this God. psychic is a psychic medium. So we thought nice. maybe, you know, and, and I wouldn't know if there were any like crazy details about his, you know, grandmother or something he would have to verify. But it's a one person reading and it's twice as expensive to do two. So I thought he could just lie on the floor <laughs> and nice. listen. Um, but I, he was like, you're so game for this. You know, I, I wasn't even trying to make this psychic prove themselves. I was helping them out the whole time because I was so excited to talk to a stranger, you know, and have like a long <laughs> totally. conversation. Uh, I just very starved for um, a long chat and yeah, it was pretty, it was awesome. People were coming through and like yelling over each other, which I guess is common with this psychic that it's, the ghosts are very crowded and they're like, so the psychic uh-huh. occasionally will be like, hey, stop, stop. No, sh- no, stop it. Like, God, I know you're upset. I know you're upset. Wow, um, really? Yeah. But I was a little I, nervous it was going to be like when Polly Walnut sees the the psychic medium and like all the dead people are like, right. he, get him, get him. Right. Yeah. And then he gets really mad. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. Flips the table over. Um, Doing yeah. spiritual things in quarantine has been very, uh, I don't want to say weird seems too base a word. It, it's like, I think maybe more enlightening. Like I've been doing like spiritual healings via Zoom with like mass groups of mostly influencers. Which is that like amazing. weird and funny. We like burn paper and we have like an energy guide and she's really cool and fun. And like it's it's actually sort of like helped build a sense of community. So I totally feel what you're saying when you're like, it's an opportunity. Just like anything different at this point, I will I will leap on it. I'm ready exactly. It. It's also one of those things where you think about something that kind of differentiates one day from another and how it's hard to figure out on your own how to make a day different so that you would look Mm. back and be like, well, there was that one day when something happened that wasn't just like reading horrible news. So it's just a a lot of different mental input. And it's it is I mean, my husband, who was pretty skeptical, he was like, it felt like going to a concert kind of where you (laughs) just get a lot of like sensory input. And then it's over. Mm-hmm. And, right. You know, it, it was it was a lot like that. Yeah. I, I, concerts. I know the differentiating, <laughs> like just differentiating one day from the next is so important right now. I feel like. Yeah. How yeah. have you been trying to do that in quarantine, Jack? Um, I have not been doing a good job of it, but I, I was saying the other day I, I had to go to the hospital to get something removed, like a skin thing removed, and that was like a joyful experience, <laughs> like interacting with the Hell nurse yeah. and just like having <laughs> having human interaction, like being like, which room am I going to? Uh, you know, that, and then that really broke up the week 
for me. Did a stranger touch you? Oh my god. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so just what a thrill. I mean, I was trying- <laughs> the the physician's assistant, I must say, was uh, one of the great bedside manners. She had a Spotify playlist that we played. Yes, uh, come on. Our songs that we had together were, you know, the best. Uh, Next year, you should send her a card. Tag on the anniversary. Yeah, I've been trying to do it with food, but like preparing like wild things I've never cooked before, or like trying a new fancy restaurant I haven't tried. It helps a little. It's still it's not quite enough differentiation to be like, oh my gosh, a whole new date. But I'm. Bought a Dutch oven, so, you know, sky's no. the limit now. Let's find out if we can really push this. What's <laughs> the best thing special. you've cooked since quarantine began? Oh, we discovered that if you use bison and chili instead of ground beef, it's, like, so good. Really? <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of, like, bison has, like, it's gamey, but it's not, um, it doesn't venture into, like, a venison territory of gaminess. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, very different, but it's super hearty and, like, we're midwest folks and so like when it's cold we're like we need chili we made this like delicious bison chili but then now we're experimenting with like mixing like combining different meats like doing a lamb and bison mix or um what was the other thing that we made the other day oh um i made a chicken tangine which was great but now i'm going back it's a new york times recipe which i've like been fiddling with for like maybe two or three years trying to like perfect and i've never done it with preserved lemons which is apparently a thing you really need to do so now i gotta put lemons in a jar fill it with salt and let it sit for six months and try again oh nice let me know how that goes because i've been wanting to make fire cider which is a similar with in the same vein of like the preserved lemon it's it's just like you put it in a thing and then you let it sit for six months but it fire cider has like Oranges, lemons, ginger, garlic, onion. Like they just keep going and adding more things to it. And I can't imagine what it tastes like, but uh, I'm going to try it. It's giving me like um, leche con tigre, which is like a Peruvian yeah. uh, like drink that's like should not taste delicious because it's like mostly like fish oils and then like a bunch of like spicy seasonings. And you're like, how does this taste good? But the minute it hits your palate, you're like, I have to have jars of it. I need mm-hmm. all of it. That sounds amazing. No actual tiger in leche con tigre. No, no. That's good. Uh, <laughs> or tiger's milk. Yeah. <laughs> We're not milking tigers. <laughs> uh, Tess, what is something you think is underrated? Okay, underrated, I'm going to go with running for a very, very short amount of time. Um, I know a lot of people have taken up running during quarantine, and I am one of them as of four days ago. Uh, but nice. everyone I talk to who's a runner they always go on this kind of weird journey where it's like they're running and then they want to keep, they're like, well, that wasn't good enough. I have to keep running more, you know? And it becomes this thing where like now they're training to run a marathon. And then most of the people I know who do this end up being like, and now I have knee problems and I hate running. (laughs) Running's terrible, right? So I've decided I am only going to run, and it's really kind of a jog, for less than two miles. I will never in my life run more than two miles. I love it. And I'm I'm like microdosing running. Yes, I think that's yeah. And it's been running great for slow days. is also great. Running I, slow is important. Running slow is the best. Uh, I once I gave up on running fast, and also like it, it was from the uh, example of my wife who like never liked running, and then she was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna like 
not try and run fast and eventually became one of those people who was like running marathons because she really? just like slowly slowly built built up and eventually was just like smoking me um yeah i think yeah. there's a weird mentality that goes with running where once you start to get the and i'm speaking as an expert of four days of running by the way <laughs> right. uh, but once you start getting the endorphins you're like oh this is just the beginning like i can keep building on this but I'm like a very sedentary, like wheezy person. Um, and I just know that if I got caught up in that whole runner's mentality of like, well, now I'm doing this. Now I got to do it and be the best and do it, really push it. I know I, that my bones would disintegrate, like the cartilage mm -hmm. that supports them would like flee. And I'd be one of those people where it's like running sucks. Yeah. So I'm after my long uh, evolution into being a runner of four days, I feel like I'm probably qualified to say that that's an underrated way to exercise, the tiny there, run. There's the, um, there was a podcast, I think it was Radiolab, uh, where they profiled this woman who had some sort of like uh, traumatic brain injury where uh, she had, like no short-term memory i think it was and she became one of the world's like foremost distant distance runners and like they were tying the fact that like she doesn't like process uh or or like yeah it's like she doesn't have like a temporal awareness she's not able to be like man this is gonna last forever basically mm -hmm. uh into like her running and her experience of pain and that's something that after I listened to that show, I was like, oh, I'm going to be able to like use this to mentally make myself better at running. And it is not done Nothing that works. at all. Nothing <laughs> works. It's just, You're just not meant to run that much. Yeah, People are hard. not meant to. Yes. Um, what is something you think is overrated? Okay. Well, um, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about this later. But I am now ready to come out as a hater of fancy ice cream. Wow. Yeah, okay. I know. Um, I live swing. in... I live in like an ice cream epicenter neighborhood. Mm. It's just like constantly overrun by fancy ice creams. And I've kind of just silently put up with it, but no more. <laughs> I, there's no, I worked, I worked at Ben and Jerry's in, uh, in college. That is as fancy as ice cream should be. Anything right. fancier is wrong. Thank you don't you. want your strawberry and balsamic ice cream? Nope, You're... I don't want lavender. I don't want saffron. I don't want the Jenny's Everything Bagel ice cream, which that is maybe sounds so foul. Why? Why? I mean, I. It's like I get it. You can do it, and then people mm. like us will be like, "Oh, let's talk about that." It's actually, good. Yeah, huh? Yeah. Who would have thought? But it's to me like ice cream in general. I have like mixed feelings about, you know, because I think really, really good ice cream is like just the very simple ice cream. And when you get super premium, it's almost like too creamy. You know, mm. I have to say I'm kind of like a Baskin Robbins person at this point where I'm like, that's the ice cream we deserve. <laughs> you know? I'm definitely a chunks over ice cream kind of person. I'm like, yeah. like that's plenty layered stuff. I was like, this is absolutely my bag. Like yeah, me too. extra toppings. Yep. Light you ice need cream in between. The texture, texture is really important. I think when people get crazy with flavors, it's like we're all kind of pretending that you can taste all of those things, but you sort of <laughs> can't when there's that much cream involved, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's the suggestion that it's there, but like it's not really doing anything. Listen, 
I'm a Ben and Jerry's like state. Like if I'm, we're going out for ice cream, it's probably going to be Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Um, I've done Jenny's ice cream with my fancy lady friends who are like, let's try all the new things. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Milk Bar. Blah. But I, I kind of like a like quote unquote Milk Bar or even Ben and Jerry's philosophy of like keep it simple and clean. Uh, like, yeah, I'm an American and I like American desserts. And <laughs> We do not go <laughs> too fancy. We bake yellow cake. We put the chocolate frosting and some sprinkles on it. Go next. Exactly. I mean, I still think of desserts like the fanciest dessert kind of can't compete with. Um, I know that the LAUSD coffee cake, I think, recipe was going around recently. I like the not coffee know cake. what this is, but I will be looking it up. Oh, Joelle, I'll send it to you. It's, oh, um, my God. Everyone got addicted to it. Apparently, it just had this like really good crumb and it's very super simple. It's been the same recipe forever. Yes. Um, the, the fans are so obsessed with it. And it's like you take that and then you take a fancy cake and like it, it's just not the same. Dessert needs to be humble. It's like a, it should be mm-hmm, a humble thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That said, I I still really like tiramisu. Like I'm 80s man or something where I see tiramisu and I'm like, But tiramisu yes. is the best of like every world, right? Because it's giving you that like the little bit of crunch from the like ground coffee, but also it's giving you like the sweet condensed milk sort of flavor. But also there's chocolate. Like, yes, it's complicated, but it's mm-hmm. like chocolate and coffee and cream. Like, it's perfect. It's perfect. Also, I like that it's retro because that kind of keeps it from being a highfalutin yes. imposter, you yes, know? Like, now, now that it's a really old and dated dessert, it's okay to be like, well, then now that's canon. Now that counts. Exactly. No, I'm definitely with you. I uh I should admit as as I was like trying to uh act like I agreed with this take Tess uh <laughs> I I this past weekend walked to my nearest uh Jenny's to try and get the everything bagel ice cream and really? would now would now be telling you it's actually pretty good uh if if they hadn't just run out when I got there so they ran out yeah it's it has very garlic in it I know There's nothing to what? do. When McDonald's launched that, like, I never forget the pop star they, like, partnered with, like, a rap person. Oh, it was uh, Travis Scott, right? Oh, the Travis Scott meal. At that time, I lived across the street from a McDonald's. And when I tell you, there was just a line around the block all day, every day for, like, two and a half weeks. There's nothing to do. People were just like, yes, we will go to McDonald's and try these (laughs) new things. Right. Stay in our car, safely social distance. This is a, a smart, insane thing to do. It was crazy. Yeah. There's also uh, Bad Bunny and J Balvin. Uh, oh yeah, the J Balvin. My husband was weirdly like really wanted the J Balvin meal. I forget like, what it was. <laughs> the The Travis Scott was the one that had the least reason to exist. I think because it was just. I think the only <laughs> innovation was that it was barbecue sauce for the fries. Yeah, like, bacon and then on it, the burger. I think. Yeah, oh, bacon is. on the burger. Quarter pounder with uh with bacon, which I wonder. Does anyone remember what the J Balvin one was? Or was, yeah, because that was the Travis Scott. I wonder what the J Balvin was. Yeah. Uh, now I feel like I missed out. I just remember my husband being like, should we go get the J Balvin? And I was like, right. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually good on that. Yeah. Uh, even with the, the fancy name in front of it, it's still McDonald's. Oh, oh Big Mac and Oreo Shake. That's yeah. actually, okay, now I understand why he wanted it. <laughs> That's I mean, those are awesome. Those yeah. are awesome things. Oh, McFlurry, McFlurry. Order those yeah, yeah. things. Uh, yeah, you could you could just order those on your own, but um, whatever. It worked. They got what they needed. Yep. But now you have the backing of Jay Balvin to admit that that's <laughs> that's your order. 
Uh, What's that sweet, sweet merch? Oh my god! Yeah. Wait, wait, did it come with anything? Not the meal so. itself, but at the same time, McDonald's uh, would team up with these guys and launch like merchandise. So there was like a members only jacket um, <laughs> that like instantly sold out. They sold McDonald's right. trays with like the star's face on it. I think shoes, if I remember correctly. Right. It was like a lot of stuff, and that stuff was fire and sold out pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys been to McDonald's recently? Um, to a drive-through, like yeah. probably a month and a half ago. I I hadn't been in a really long time, and then I started going again. Um, for McFlurries, which I felt like I needed at They're the so time. Good. They're <laughs> so good. It's so much more expensive than it was, and it's really crazy to me because I remember um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine maybe like a year or two ago and she's from Morocco and she was like, you know, in Morocco, McDonald's is like really expensive and um, it's like a, a, a fancy treat because she was like, you know, it, they're trying to discourage it because they know how like shitty it is for you. Uh, right. And when I went to McDonald's, we'd been going to In-N-Out a lot and I was like, McDonald's is legitimately like eight dollars more mm-hmm. than in and because we, we're buying for four people. Um, because right. you can't just buy three McFlurries and then be like, no, <laughs> this one is my, my five year old. I care about her health. Like no longer. Um, right. and I was like, wow, it's like thirty dollars to get McDonald's now. And in and out, you get like the same amount of food, and it's you know twenty two. Was super super weird to me. They went and got fancy on us. They did. You know, they got famous friends and uh, suddenly, you know, uh, charging us an arm and a leg. In and out is still uh, just value-wise, really, uh, one of the best. Basically. Yeah. I mean, I prefer Fat Burger. Joelle is like, she knows how I feel because she's had to sit through. We've had a lot of <laughs> no, podcasts about it. this. I love it. Fat Burger is, is I think, far superior to In-N-Out, but it's also just so expensive. Yeah. Um, which I think, you know, for good reason mm. and everything, but like in and out is just the most budget. Yeah. It's the the best bang for your buck. Yeah, a friend took me for to sure. one in the valley that was like a fat burger in the valley that's super old and had the like original griddle and the like side pull up window. Is that like, Beverly Glen and Ventura? Yes, Am I it making is. that yeah. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure that's the corner. It, divine. I was like, this is next level. Like even like if if, if it's in and out and then fat burger, this fat burger gets like two steps <laughs> above exactly. the It was so great. That's the classic fat burger stand from uh, at least from my childhood. That was like the fat burger to go to. I love LA culture. It's so like the fact that you just pulled that immediately. You're like, oh yeah. <laughs> That's so dope. That fat burger. <laughs> the good fat burger. That's uh, also, it's really close to a Ben and Jerry's. So if you want, you can do yeah. the fat burger Ben and Double Jerry's. We know how to live out here. Um, exactly. All right. Uh, we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. And we're back, and let's just run through some stories, a couple COVID-related ones. Uh, the NBA, first of all, made the the teams come back. Like I, I, LeBron specifically says in this article, seventy-one days after, like there were seventy-one days between the games. There's supposed to be like a nice, you know, many months long break in the off season. They, you know, kind of rushed them back. Uh, and also said like ahead of the season, there won't be an all-star game. You'll get five days off in March. And now they're kind of switching this up. And I'm hoping that Adam Silver comes to his senses because 
many of the top uh, all-stars, the people who will have to play in this game are like, please, please, please don't make me do this. It's wild because LeBron was like, you know, if I'm nominated and asked to go, I'm still going to go. But my heart's not going to be in the game. And right. I think like, I, I don't know if they're contractually obligated to participate. Yes, in the they will be they fined are. very severely. Man. Jesus Christ. What? That seems... I feel like the players have enough money and enough lawyers to be like, yeah, we should not have to put our lives at risk to come and entertain people for a day. And let's be real about it. Like the all-star games, not what they used to be. Not a uh, last not season was dope of- though. Yes. Yes. Last season did give us some, some great dunks, uh, some good moments. And you like, you know, and now with some of the shift up too, because uh, sorry, I'm bad at names. The Houston's player, the just, uh, James Harden. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I've been he- reading about some hurt feelings, uh, some some friendships ending, some major mm. shifts in relationships. So I'm sure the drama would be good. But I also feel like I don't understand why the NFL just couldn't like create two bubbles, either coast. And then once <laughs> we got to the finals, just shake right. it down to like I feel like they had they had the perfect example of like, yes, this can be done safely. Yes, we can make sure the players are participating. And then they were like well, nobody else decided to pick up what we were doing, so screw all that. So apparently, the because that's what I've been, I've been like, just do more bubbles, bubbles for everything, and yeah. uh, it sucks to be in the bubble. Apparently, that's the reason they did not do the bubble. Like the players hated being in the bubble because yeah, they're they have great lives when they're not in a bubble. And then it was like, okay, guys, we're gonna do sleepaway camp, uh, <laughs> and you all have to eat garbage food uh, from the calf. And, they got uh, that fixed, though. By the end, they had some great food. <laughs> I know, uh, but it's it's just I I think, and also they couldn't see their families, like yeah, for the fair. most part, like or you know they could only see. It, it was just very seemed very surreal and strange, and that sure. was like an immediate non-starter at the beginning of the season. Uh, from the NBA Player Association, was like no more bubbles. The capitalist march to just, I'm so sorry. Just no, you go just ahead, to Joelle. continue and like go and push through all of this stuff <laughs> is just beyond me. Like I really, it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around and be like, yes, it's absolutely worth lives to play a basketball game. Right. That doesn't, it makes no sense to me. It's not yeah. just that though. It's also just part of the whole kind of um, this weird inability to admit what this situation has done to everyone's morale and like wanting mm. to make people into, you know, the kind of and the band played on kind of thing where it's like, but you have to, you owe it to people to give them something. No. And it's it just fails to acknowledge the kind of stress that everyone's under. I mean, even beyond the health risks, it's like everyone's just so depressed and like scared and you know at the end of their ropes and it's like but you still have to entertain it's like right. i don't know man give them a break yeah lebron james is paid very well and is probably one of, i always say this is one of the most underpaid people in america because mm-hmm. the uh level of his talent the level of value that he adds to the nba product uh yeah. is you know, worth billions and billions of dollars, which, you know, they do not pay him. Let's talk real quick, just uh, overdose deaths, uh, the numbers during the pandemic. I think we assumed they were going to be bad. Numbers uh, are looking bad. And it's actually also, uh, you know, we were seeing a lot of opioid overdose deaths in uh, the years leading up to the pandemic. Um, and now they're also seeing like cocaine and meth deaths, which, we 
like I hadn't heard of that in a long time, uh, people dying of cocaine overdoses, but that's on the rise again. Um, and just opioids, the, the fentanyl thing is really like dangerous. Like anybody who is using opioids just needs to be so, so careful because you can get what you think is one thing and it's fentanyl and it'll kill you, um, very, very quickly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This makes sense to me. It's a lonely affliction and these are extraordinarily lonely times, like even before the pandemic. And then when you add the pandemic on top of it. Well, when you compound the fact that like a lot of people are just doing everything they can to avoid like hospitals and doctors right now. Yeah. Um, especially for people struggling with like chronic pain who are also on pain meds, which can also be addictive. It's just like a horrible cycle of like an, uh, an inefficient healthcare system, essentially, which yeah. I think plays a huge part in this. Yeah. yeah. And the, you know, it's been, this article was talking about how um, the addiction treatment facilities are not doing well because America like during the Trump administration and just like generally across the past couple decades, like since the eighties has just had a disintegrating social safety net. Like they're Mm -hmm. not paying that. So it's like up to the uh, drug treatment facilities to like make money, bring in the, bring in the big bucks. Uh, And that's like, come on. I remember an article, I think it was maybe a year ago, about how predatory a lot of those treatment facilities have become and how they're they're just run in such a an inhumane and like really aggressively markety kind of way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can only imagine what it would be like to have to struggle with whether or not to seek medical treatment if you think you've overdosed right now, especially in Los Angeles where, you know, ICUs are full. I know that response times from paramedics have been really long. It's just, it's such a heartbreaking thing. I mean, it's also just a reminder that thing, any kind of struggle that you had going into this pandemic is just so exacerbated. And it seems like I think people are also having a harder time talking about how things are affecting them personally and if they're having a really hard time because it, you know everybody is. So it seems harder to kind of share your own issues right now because just you're comparing them against people who have lost family members or you know who are struggling in different ways and it makes it almost seem like you don't want to depress anyone with your own problems it's it's such a a uniquely horrible time um one thing that has been good during the pandemic is meetings or there's right now there's a meeting you could go to for whatever uh you're looking for kind of support from I have a AA uh, spreadsheet in my Twitter bio. If anybody's looking for meetings, that's like a bunch of LA meetings. But yeah, there's just so many happening right now at all times. It's not quite as good as like going in person, uh, but it is something for sure. Let's talk the anti-mask protests, which... (laughs) I... (laughs) I... Not only, but also, uh, because I, like the second I saw this, I was just like, this doesn't really add up. Like, it doesn't make sense that people are this passionate about shopping without masks on at Ralph's. Um, yeah. Like I get, and I think there's probably like some aspect of it that's just, you know, like we've been talking about the poison of social media and just 
um, the hit of being like, I know something that other people don't. So like now I have dopamine flooding my brain, but there was an early, early in the pandemic Washington post article, uh, that pointed out the movement's roots were funded by dark money, the same way the tea party was, uh, with associates of like Ron DeSantis, the Koch family, the Mercer family, uh, all like having people who run in those circles were funding the anti-mask uh, movement early on. And uh, I can't imagine they've, uh, if anything, I'm sure they've just found a better way to, to disguise it. Um, I understood the financial gains of like backing something like the tea party, but I'm trying to understand the financial gains behind like being like, don't wear a mask in public. I think it's, uh, I think early on it was this. Well, first of all, Trump was like giving them their marching orders, right? Like, so right. you wanted Trump to have like some legitimate claim to some version of reality. They also felt like by closing down the economy or, you know, asking people to social distance, you were hurting the economy, which was going to be bad for his reelection uh, hopes. And so that was a thing people talked about a lot, which is. I do remember that. Yeah. Which was wild to me because it was just like, if all we had to do was like just chill for eight weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone would be fine. <laughs> Y'all made it so Literally. much worse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. There, There's a, uh, so Robert Evans uh, just finished his, he did a mini series behind the insurrections, uh, which you can listen to in the behind the bastards feed, but it's uh just talks about different like fascist uprisings and like that you can kind of hear echoing in the January 6th insurrection in Washington, DC. And the final episode was about the business plot, which is uh, a bunch of like wall street, multimillionaires and billionaires uh, trying to fund the overthrow of FDR when he was like proposing the new deal. And it just like, it was Prescott Bush. So like George Bush's George HW Bush's father and W's grandfather was one of the people. Yeah. Uh, No, I mean it. We're six cousins. (laughs) Are you really through Prescott? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, well, he's a great guy, uh, <laughs> who I just want to say, uh, be- no, but, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a legitimate, like the only thing that stopped them was that they approached a, um, military leader who had like recently been radicalized and become like more sympathetic to socialist causes, but they were going to basically install a, uh, they were going to use FDR's illness to uh take him like delegitimize him or make him like a uh figurehead and then like have a military leader kind of doing a deep state sort of thing um and it was you know just called out in the open like they were like here we're gonna pay you to do this the guy who they were trying to pay was like hey they're trying to pay me to do this and because money and capital runs everything in America. They like those stories immediately got like the New York times was like, this is hogwash. Um, Whoa. And like shit all over it. Um, (laughs) Not hogwash. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not. Yeah. It was very, very real. Super real. Almost worked. Yeah. Almost worked. Let's talk about Trump real quick. So the Democrats wanted him to testify during the impeachment trial. 
and he continued his uh, run of sending like caddy letters uh, as being like his primary form of communication uh, through his attorney. Uh, he, let me just get this big enough so that I can read it. Um, he said, dear Congressman Raskin. Uh, so this is in response to them asking him to come and testify at his own impeachment trial. Uh, he said, we're in receipt of your latest public relations stunt. Whoa. As you certainly know, there is no such thing as a negative inference in this unconstitutional proceeding. Well, it just like it, it reads like a Trump like Twitter rant mix like as sent through the screener of a paralegal. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, he, he's not having it. We're I, I'm still waiting to see like where he's going to surface and actually like what he's going to do with all the energy uh, that people are like, come on, man. What what's happening? It's so weird the feeling of having him be invisible, which is what I longed for for so many years. And now yeah. that he's not on Twitter, I'm so I, I feel like I have this anxiety of like, what's he doing? What do you right. think he's up to? What's he doing? Which is of course exactly what he wants. So I hate that I feel that way. Uh but yeah, I mean it, it he's like the cattiest person yeah. in the world. It still blows my mind that it's only been you know, however long since he was kicked off Twitter. It feels like hard to remember a time when you had to constantly uh, block and unblock to see what kind of damage <laughs> See what the president was, was saying this yeah. day? Oh, my gosh. Isn't it disappointing that we got a caddy president, but he was also stupid? Like, yes. I love a smart caddy bitch. Like, I really like a president who was like, no, sister, that's not what we're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't know what you're talking about. And, like, actually has, like, solid receipts for people. That Like, Obama would occasionally tap into that bag, you know, when right. he was, yeah. really had the moral high ground. But yeah, I feel like what a waste Trump was in all aspects. <laughs> like, you couldn't even be a fun kind of like caddy president. My oh, hope yeah. is that the messiness is a bigger part of his appeal than people realize that, like, when mm. Ted Cruz tries to do it and, like, just can't. Uh, has zero mm. charisma. Yeah, because <laughs> he has zero charisma, like, that that will uh, kind of fall flat because. The messiness is like what I think made him like kept him at the top of people's minds. Absolutely. Um, and he I mean, to his credit, I which I don't like to say, but he was so good. It was a note that he could really hit. You know, he knew how to kind of maximize the emotions that come with it, like it, it just felt like he was almost a machine of being able to hone his stupid statements to like really mm -hmm. get under everyone's skin. Uh it was a talent, a horrible, evil talent. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, he was, uh, and not by like him sitting down in the lab and being like, I will design myself to be the perfect. It's just no. uh, our current version, uh, this like crisis where the world is run by like a attention economy and like just controlling people's attention uh, via social media, like really favors people with narcissistic personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And he is the most of that of anyone. Uh, yeah. And yeah, like just has a unfillable hole in the middle of his being uh, that he has to constantly fill with more and more uh, attention. So yep, that's what it was. But also interesting because when he resigned from SAG, um, 
this follows a, you know, I, I forget how many months ago it was because who knows what time is anymore. But after SAG kind of fiddled with their income limits for healthcare um, and ended up dropping a lot of people from their healthcare plan and then had to do kind of this series of um, forums about why they made that decision and, you know, justifying it and everything. There are a lot of people who are angry at SAG uh, who are correct, I believe, to be angry at SAG. So it's kind of like um, with Newsom, you know, where it's like everyone on the right was like, recall Newsom. And then finally, like the people on the left were like, wait a second, we hate that yeah. we agree, but it's like, we don't want to recall, but we're mad at him too. And they had all those memes of us shaking hands over being angry at Newsom. <laughs> Uh, I felt that with the SAG thing because I was I I'm very proud to be a union member and I love SAG, but I was felt very disappointed by how they handled their health plan stuff because I know it really impacted a lot of people, especially older people. So I was like, damn it, Trump, we agree. <laughs> thing. <laughs> Being mad at SAG. There had to be one thing. He has so many opinions. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a numbers game. There, there was this New York Times article that was like the left is like failing at vaccine or like the left's vaccine problem. And they were equating Newsom with the left, like as opposed yeah, to know, just guys. and like just giving the Democrats like claiming that all Democrats were the left. But it was a really weird. Uh, it was like from their uh, team who do, who sends out their daily newsletter. But it was just very much like a kind of foggy hit piece that was like being like, but look at Israel. They have the best uh, national numbers, which is true. Mm -hmm. But they were like, see, Israel's doing well. The UK is doing well. Conservatives are doing well. Uh, whereas the left is like falling down. It's like this whole fucking problem is because of a right-wing fascist like president in the United States. Exactly. And like I I mean I get like I don't think that people on the left should be above criticism and there's definitely been vaccine problem uh vaccine rollout issues but I think we need to be very specific and careful about equating uh, anyone who's part of the Democratic Party with the left. They That's are true. That's a good yes. liberals. Uh, That's a good not, differentiation. Yeah. I think, though, you know, this comes up a lot when comparing California's COVID numbers to, you know, the numbers in Kentucky or whatever, where they say, like, look, it's like they're run by the left. But it mm -hmm. also I mean, while there is like a large contingent of people who are very progressive in California, obviously, we also have I mean, Beverly Hills in that New York Times um, interactive map where they showed you know, who voted for Trump and everything, and you could get really hyper-local. <laughs> I was like, yikes. <laughs> okay, then. Not so good. All yeah. Orange uh, County just wild Orange with County. it, having watched those uh, live meetings earlier in the year, earlier last year. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's... I wonder, like, there's, there's so much dissent. Sure. Dissent mm -hmm. on quote unquote the left where do democrats fall what is a liberal like the whole thing is right. just a chaotic mess right now even like just in and amongst ourselves of just trying to figure out like where do you where do you land and like the democratic party has become so center um mm -hmm. to call them left is just yeah it's bizarre at this point yeah, yeah it's true i know it's it's hard to like have conversations about these kinds of things as they're so rapidly shifting in the definition of you know these kind of like different political factions is so kind of contested depending on who you're talking to. 
So it's difficult. I mean, definitely during the primaries, that was a time when, uh, you know, people were fighting so, so much who would essentially agree on most issues. But then, you know, the differences between them became so pronounced. It was intense to see and difficult to figure out how to kind of zoom out and get a good picture on how this is going to be viewed later, you know? Yeah. But to in a lot of cases, the Democratic Party is like values the status quo and like the way things have been, which is a we gotta overall get like a normal. conservative right. philosophy is to go back to the way things were. Um, and then, you know, the Republicans are fascists at this point, right. like straight up and down fascists. Uh, we don't really have like, I, I don't know, I, I think that the Democrats are in a lot of ways a conservative like center right party when you compare them to any other country uh, or at least a lot of other countries. Um, and then the left doesn't really have any sort of media outlet other than uh, like it, it doesn't have a TV network. MSNBC right. is not uh, a left, a leftist thing. They are a DNC uh, that DNC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And uh, so is Cardi B. She's she dropped a new video on uh, Ben Shapiro's ass. Um, <laughs> this. Uh, yeah, it's really good. It's probably not quite as evocative. Uh, well, I don't know. What's the what's the CNN word? Provocative. Yeah, it's very evocative. It's not quite as maybe not quite as provocative as the WAP video, but I don't know. It's pretty good. Pretty. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, that's really I had like good. a whole conversation on Twitter. Before yeah. she got on, because it's like, listen, can you can we break this down? Because there's so much happening in this music video, and I think if you just give it like a cursory surface glance, you're like, oh, okay, this is very much like a Cardi B style music video. But like, once you get into specifically the like her style designs in there, like a lot of magic begins to happen. For example, at one point she's wearing this like cone bra, neon like sports like get up like it's shorts and like a top or whatever now instantly in my head i was like oh this is giving me like um like a 50s like marilyn monroe meets like 80s jane fonda vibe because she's also in sneakers not in heels and it's like kind of sexy but also like very powerful somewhat cheerleader but then tess you were like oh no madonna and i was like there is Tone so bra. much happening in this video that I really, really like, it, especially if you think about like what's sort of being said about like sexuality, but also just like womanhood. Like, <laughs> there's she has these, and at one point, she's like this dominatrix, like cheerleader style vibe going on, which Tess brilliantly picked up was like a TLC nod, which with like the big hair pieces from the No Scrubs music video. Mm. Well, I was like, oh, it's, I was like, it's Fly Girls. And then I was like, no, wait. And then I, but then I had to like do like many Googles and everything. It was yeah, like, yeah. oh, I see. It's left eye. But also, I mean, just the, uh, you said Missy Elliott too with the, yes. with the wig. That um, was my favorite part. That was the Barbie best wig. part. So dope. it was, it also like, 
it was just so she's so funny and like it just it played so well but I didn't get and I felt like I knew it was a reference when she's wearing the kind of like saran wrap like strapless bikini thing and with all the champagne to either I was like is that like Kim Kardashian with like the champagne you, you know um yeah yeah but she, the, she broke was. the internet yeah yeah but i was like is it that but i felt like that was a distinct reference that i wasn't getting um they did like a birth of venus you know and a marilyn monroe reference mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but i i was like oh this is one of the ones where i'm just gonna have to sit down and find like every little easter egg that's in there but it's been in my head all morning um <laughs> And I keep like humming it and then I see my kids and I'm just like, ah, <laughs> go away. I, I do. I love the idea of her like evoking all of the like icons of feminine beauty throughout the ages and then absolutely like making them her own. And she's like the Rolls Royce ornament. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is life. This is exactly what I want from a Cardi B is just her having like a ton of fun, like absolutely embodying like her like absolute just power over her like sex drive and sex life um and then being kind of goofy and making a pyramid that twerks i was like this is a feat of like physical prowess like this is so incredible she that anyone can do the, this she just changed the cheerleading game with that one shot forever <laughs> uh, i look forward to all of your uh you know new tiktok dance crazes based off of this video it's gonna be amazing yeah yeah um and the uh, you you were saying that the there were like product placements like a one the vibrator that appears is like yes. something that she's selling or has aligned herself with a brand. So yeah, so Vush reached out to her on like Twitter, I think, if I remember correctly, and they're like all very about like positive female orgasm, like get yours, and they sent her a bunch of like vibrators, and she opened them on instagram and like has this like very positive you know women empowered movement i like the idea of especially if you look back at like old like the the legends of the female rap game the uh mid 90s our our little kims are um oh it's a bad day for names guys um uh our (laughs) trinas um a lot of times those ladies had to partner with dudes a in order to sell music but then also to get these like major brand endorsements which if you know anything about the music game particularly now like you don't make a lot of money selling songs you it's brand endorsements and touring and you can't tour right now so it's like it's a challenge and so it's just to see like her getting like all of these like big brand endorsements and it's just cardi b it's not her in partnership with anybody else i think that's kind of exciting um I don't yeah. drink Ace of Spade, but I'm really excited for her and everybody who owns an Ace of Spade <laughs> with a sparkler in it at a club, you know? Yeah, yeah. Rep. I uh, also think it's kind of like a fun... The The Madonna references also were just interesting because I also think that she... There was like a reference um, in one of the shots that people were mentioning uh, resembled this like book of erotic photo, you know, photography. I think it was French maybe. Um, but it had like a strong kind of like Madonna vibe throughout of, of like a material girl kind of like, I'm mm-hmm. going to be subtle. Like I'm, I'm here to make money and like, I'm here to like, you know, kind of dominate. And it had all of these like S and M things going on, but I just love her. And I like love that she's doing that. And I also think we've become more accepting of like the, the brand partnership and stuff over the past couple of years as more oh, people sure. have entered that space. And you realize like how, you know, um, Spotify and like other platforms can kind of short artists and how 
brand partnerships make up that gap a lot of the time. It used to be something that seemed kind of tacky and like mm-hmm. lame. And now I feel like it just you, you're like, oh, great for you. You know, you got the, <laughs> the vibrator partnership, like run with it, you know, show it. It's great. The Madonna reference also like I remember a time I'm this old that like when a new Madonna video came out, like that felt like an event that also like all of the aesthetics from that video would like kind of become a part of the ether, like the, like a prayer video, the Vogue video, like all the just different imagery, like suddenly, like that was just something that was going to be referenced. The cone bra immediately became a thing that was like going to be an SNL, like, or a in living color, like joke visual gag immediately. Um, And now like, it feels like she Cardi's videos, like when she drops one, it's like immediately, a part of the culture like a, yeah. an event that where everybody's like okay we got to drink this up and now like that is part of our vocabulary yep the entire hairpiece from like in the <laughs> i really love the opening shot which is her like standing on a grave like her louboutin shoe is literally on some guy's like sack and then you see the like graves and it's like a, it's a gravestone. So like uh, if you think of like a King Arthur old Kings covered in cement, I think they do this in Lord of the Rings where it's just like the body laying and that's the tomb. Uh, so she's standing on top of the guy and then they reveal the name and it's 2020. And I was like, I wonder how cathartic that mm. just experience was. I mean, like this whole mm-hmm. video is just a very stout, like fuck you 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but her hair piece in that it's all, uh, it's like a giant chunky braid with black roses and like little crucifixes tied in. Um, the crucifix is consistently uh, a fashion statement. I've had definitely had several pairs of crucifix earrings, different types mm-hmm. of crucifix bows and stuff. I look forward to seeing what the girls do with that coming forward. There's just mm. a lot of stuff to like feast on. It's, it's a vis- visual feast for the eyes. Um and I'm glad we have Cardi B in these quarantine times between her and then Chloe and Hallie doing all of their like live digital things. I'm like, OK, we we don't have summer concert series, but we mm. have these girls and they're holding it down yeah. for us. The but the the thing with the Barbies uh, scream like singing from her hair is hits so hard because it's like that point in the song also hits really hard. That's so dope. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Screaming yeah. about how broke. Broke men don't deserve pussy, I believe. Yes, I believe that's right. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, Barbie screaming that is pretty great. Yeah. And that is just me being like, remember that part? That part was cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> you guys see the video? <laughs> you guys see that part? That was so cool. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, Gorilla Glue and hair. I, I don't think Cardi was using Gorilla Glue uh, in any of her hairstyles that she was rocking but it is something that we have now been given evidence to does not work from a tiktok user (laughs) tessica brown when this hit the internet i was like down i was like down for the count i was like this is (laughs) the wildest thing i've seen in a long time it absolutely feels like it should be like if school was in session i'm convinced this would have been the new challenge like glue your hair down and it's such it's funny because Okay, so if you haven't seen the video, basically, there's a woman, she's like, listen, my hair's been like this for months, which is immediately alarming, because your hair should not be one way for months. You're like, what is going on? 
she has got to be glued, which if you've ever had to secure a wig or any kind, you know, just get your edges nice and laid. Like that's the go-to product. You get got to be glued and it's really going to shellac your hair down. But then you wash it and it's fine. She ran out of that. She found some Gorilla Glue spray, which so many points to make here. Who knew Gorilla Glue came in spray? I knew they had the I wood didn't. kind. Yeah. I knew they had the little like droplet kind for tiny pieces. But I did not know it came in a spray form. Apparently it does. Seems she, irresponsible. It clearly because she <laughs> shellacked her whole head into like a perfect bowling ball. Like it is just down. If if you know black hairstyles, this is the like slick down up front, attached to the long pony in the back. Very common style right now. Super hot. Um, but again, not something you want <laughs> to last for months. And this poor woman, after like discovering her mistake, she's like, oh, well, I'll just wash it. Which apparently she washed her hair 15 times. People did not believe her. They're like, this is fake. I also, too, was like, this is for clout and it's silly. But nope. Watched her try to wash her hair. It really doesn't move. Like, she's digging in with her nails and it's just hair over scalp. It yeah. shouldn't be funny because she's clearly distressed about it. And I'm not sure what she's going to do to fix it. Um, uh, yeah, Gorilla Glue did respond. And they were like, hey, you know, you can use like some acetoner and soak it. And hopefully that will help. But how is that going to work? I thought they work? said rubbing alcohol and warm water which i was like for anyone who's been trying to get rubbing alcohol it's in short supply oh you know gosh. right <laughs> but um i knew it was real because the look on her face during this tiktok <laughs> when she was explaining it i've so been there oh, and no. that's the f- when you've not with glue with other things where you realize you've made like a horrible mistake <laughs> and usually for me it's like you google you're like on Reddit and you're like, what's a great way for like, I just really want to like get rid of dark spots. And they're like, you just put nail polish remover on a cotton ball and swab it all over your face. And you're like, okay. I've done that. So many things that I've done because like one person on the internet was like, you know, what's actually like a really good idea. Is this. I'm like, sure. They seem like a real professional of this. Um, but it's, you do that face where it's like the adrenaline in your body is so intense. You're just like, I've made a horrible mistake and like I'm so embarrassed, but I have to admit it because otherwise I'm going to be all alone not knowing how to deal with it. I love that Gorilla Glue responded. I also didn't know that there is a gel called Gorilla Snot. And so people on Twitter were like, oh, I see. You know, it's like there's a picture of a gorilla on both of them being right. like one gorilla's being like, I'll make your hair stay. And the other one's like, I'm super glue. <laughs> and the other product that she ran out of had glue in the mm-hmm. title. So it was like, I, I totally see how that would be. Uh, I, it's it's not even that much of a stretch. I could have done this. All you have to be is the right amount of tired. Right. <laughs> You're so generous because my thought was like, where do you keep your gorilla spray, right? Like That is the question. <laughs> someone was like, was it, did she go to a toolbox? How did she magically <laughs> end up in the like craftsman aisle when she's looking for hair product? What happened? Uh, I hope somebody does an in-depth profile on this woman, honestly, because this is a saga. Also, if that woman should happen to be listening, you have great cheekbones. You can shave yeah. your head and you're going to be good. Like, I know it's, it might be frustrating, but it'll grow back. Uh, I'm... I would not personally pour like, you know, any kind of like dissolvent on your hair because that just seems like it seems like a lost cause at this point, sweetie. I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah you don't want to make <laughs> yourself that flammable too. like th- yeah. everything that they were recommending. I was like, but then it's scary. Like if you get like a static spark, it's like you're just going to combust, oh, you know, God. you're like dumping nail polish remover on your I head. I didn't even get to whatever. the science of it. That sounds yeah. horrifying. Yep. <laughs> 
Uh, well, Tess, it has been uh, such a pleasure having you on the Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, where can people find you and follow you? Thank you for having me. Um, I am Mr. Tess Lynch on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I don't have a podcast to promote anymore, but um, you should definitely also see my friends Molly and Emily, my former co-hosts, Emily Yoshida on Twitter, Molly Lambert on Twitter. Um, I love them. They're my friends still. So <laughs> yeah. And I know Molly was just on Daily Zeitgeist as well. Yeah, so yeah. that was fun. I feel like we're, we're podcasting at a remove. Yes. Still. The degrees of separation of Daily Zeitgeist. Yes. Um, and is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Oh, yeah. Um, it is. Hold on one sec. I can't pronounce this person's name. And I know everyone's already seen it. But you never know because, there, you know, it's a few days lag. Uh, so in case you did not see the tweet, why is it called Creepypasta and not Fettuccine Alfredo? Alfredo. <laughs> Let's try that again. Why is it called Creepypasta and not Fettuccine Alfredo by Blaine Capatch? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to think about that for the rest of my life. It's up there with uh, Roses are Red, We Eat With Utensils. Mike Pence's full name is Mechanical Pencil. <laughs> Criminally overlooked tweet. That's great. This is from Openly Blackish. The Gorilla Glue Girl says she's going to the ER. Bless her heart and hair follicles. Uh, she's at Connie Shemelin 2. The Gorilla Glue Girl said she's going to the ER. Bless her heart and hair follicles. Whew, what a trip. Thanks for having me again. Really appreciate it. Bye, guys. All right. And uh, Joelle actually had to bounce. It was wonderful having her, as always. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Uh, a tweet I enjoyed. Jody Hauser tweeted, no news is good news. Unless you have anxiety, then it means they hate you or they died or they hate you so much it killed them. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. And we are going to ride out on a recommendation from super producer Anna Hosnier, a song called King by Anderson Rocio. Uh, it's got good vibes, I'm told. Uh, and yeah. Uh, so we're going to ride out on that. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio for more podcasts. From iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to you all then. Bye. Get loud.